It's Wednesday, January 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker and Brian Hinman. Thanks for being here, gentlemen. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. It's good to be back, Chris. Thank you. It's good to have you here, Brian. It's been a while. It has been How a while. How long has it been? It's been, a, it's been I don't know. Months. L- quarters, even. I'm going to say it was sometime last summer. And by summer, I mean May through August. The contract <laughs> negotiations did not go well. My terms were not met. We're going to talk retail today, but let's start with oil because 2015 uh, appears to be picking up right where 2014 left off. Um, and in this, we're seven days into the calendar year, and the price of oil has fallen nearly 10%, and it's now hovering around 48, 49 dollars a barrel. So I'll just start with you, Bill. What are investors? To think about this, and what are they to do about this? Uh, what are they to think about? It? I think it, it on net domestic U.S. investors. Let's start with that category. Uh, are to think this is a good thing. That that oil, cheaper oil, is net a good thing. It's not good for everything you might be invested in. It is certainly not a good thing for everything. In the S and P, or in our mutual funds, or any you know, if you're in a diversified portfolio of holdings, it is not good for everything, but it is good for more things than it is bad for, and so you should be happy, I think. <laughs> and why why is why is everything why is the market down, and why is that being attached to the volatility of the price of oil? One, because reports have always got to have some reason why the stock market moves up and down every day, even though they're not always right, and they change their mind every day about that. Uh, and the other is that the large uncertainty uh, surrounding what is the next price of oil going to be is a cause for enough concern that people can't figure out, they can't model, they can't, they just don't know. So the uncertainty tends to drive prices down uh, across the board, but. If the Grand Council would come in and say this is going to be the price of oil from now for the next 24 months, the market would take off. Yeah, Chris, 70% of the U.S. economy is driven by consumers and consumer spending, uh, and so the less money they spend on gas at the pumps, the more they have in their pocket to spend on anything and everything else. Uh, but it's important to realize too that it's, it's you know we, it you can't paint with a broad too broad a brush here because Wealthy, uh, you know, wealthy Americans don't really care that much if gas is two dollars or three dollars. They're filling up, you know, their electronic Maserati. Yeah, yeah, their Maserati (laughs) or or their Tesla or whatever. It impacts them less than it does people who are struggling a little more. Well, wait a minute, not their Tesla. They're not filling up their Tesla with gas. That is exactly what I'm saying. We're talking about richer people. Doesn't, it doesn't we? affect them at all. Okay, <laughs> but but people, you know, people who are living on the margin, who are who are scrimping and saving, you know, a twenty cent decline in the price of gasoline uh, is meaningful to them, uh, and so you know that is a a small step step change in what they're able to spend on other things, which you know kickstarts our economy a little bit. Well, and we've we've seen that recently with with retailers and even with with restaurant executives talking about the precipitous drop in the price of gas having a, a, a net positive effect on people coming to the stores, people coming in the restaurants, that sort of thing. But when it comes to the energy industry and and in particular oil-related stocks, producers, uh, E&P, etc. Is this now, uh, is this now um, 
just a much tougher industry to negotiate if you're an investor. Because to your point, Bill, if someone were just to say, this is going to be the price of, of oil for the next year, next two years, everyone would, would, would decide accordingly. But now, we're, we're at a point where you have almost as many people out there, the great prognosticators, saying, we're going to $25 a barrel, and you have other people saying, no, 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 this is, this is a blip, and we're going to be right back at 80 90 are are there great prognosticators out there? Um, I, imagine air quotes around who, who great prog- <laughs> prognosticators, <laughs> because it, it, boy, you can turn on your TV and and find people prognosticating the next price of oil uh, every day, and um, it's usually a price that is very close to the current price, right? I mean, you don't find that many people, although they'll get headlines and say, "Well, I, I think it's going down to twenty, right?" And then they'll get some headlines or it gets back to a hundred in a, in a couple months. It's, it's it's too difficult an equation to actually predict, um, and yet many people try. And there are some who actually have to uh, make predictions and base their spending, uh, if they're in the industry, on that. So, you know, they are going to be hoping, if they're domestic producers, obviously for higher prices of oil for the most part. Uh, and if you ask them where the price of oil is going, their answers are going to be colored by that hope. Uh, but nobody really knows. There's here. Here's here's a very very short answer to why this has happened. There's plenty of oil. <laughs> We're not running out anytime soon. We are not running out anytime soon. There is way more oil available uh, than we actually need, uh, which is you know that that's pretty good. That, that bottom line, that's good. Yeah, I think it does get a little tricky to navigate here for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is because Bill mentioned the supply side of things here. Well, we're also used to having somewhat rational actors in this market, and some of the decisions being made by oil-producing countries are are, are not <laughs> what they've been in the past. Uh, they seem to be acting for their own for their own benefit rather than sort of the benefit of the world in general. And so when you sort of take that rational rationality component out of the mix, you're sort of left scratching your head. So it becomes a lot harder to, to deal with and, and make you know any projections about the future. And the other reason I think it becomes difficult is when you have uh, declines of or, or increases, declines mostly of such great uh, great scale, you come to trip points where certain types of uh, energy production become uneconomical. Um, and that has profound impacts on uh, the financials of, of energy companies, namely ones that have a ton of debt. Um, and so that's a lot of companies. And you have to sort of be able to sift through the ones that have the financial wherewithal to be able to handle these sort of uneconomic projects or pulling back from those projects and just getting by on a subset of their business, not everything they're capable of doing. Let's move on to JCPenney, which is, at this moment, the most traded stock on the New York Stock Exchange today. Uh, shares up more than 15%. Same-store sales for the holiday for, for November and December came in Significantly higher than analysts were expecting. Analysts were predicting anywhere from negative five percent comps to maybe plus one percent. They came in nearly four percent. Pretty nice day for J.C. Penney. But uh, the thing that caught my attention was 
seemingly just by association, shares of Macy's, Kohl's, Target, even Sears, for the love of God, Sears is up slightly today. All of these stocks, and it appears to be based on the idea that, well, gosh, if JCPenney had that kind of November and December, imagine what like significantly competent retailers would do. <laughs> Does this... Is let me start here. Is JCPenney out of the woods yet? Which which of the various consumers that are listening in are you insulting by by <laughs> saying? You, you, I think these anyone, co- just a list of companies like oh my god these companies are all up. Oh no no, no it's, it's it's Sears. It's, it's really it's, just, it's just mainly just Sears. The customers of Sears. They're no, the ones not the are, customers. Probably just the management at okay. Sears. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> is, first and foremost, is JCPenney out of the woods yet? Uh. I don't know. Is any retailer ever out of the woods? Trends come and go. I think that I think that the very very Maybe vast that. amounts of damage done by previous management, which have now been mitigated by interim management, uh, have put the company on a course of you know sustainability, yeah. right? Not greatness, but but sustainability. And uh, there's a new CEO coming in in August, I think. Uh, and so the stage is set for the, the company to, to maintain its current position, perhaps, and you know deliver to the, the incoming management an equation which is not one of desperation. Uh, and they've they've gotten out of of being desperate to figure out a model that that can work. Yeah, to Bill's point, uh, Ullman coming back has sort of steadied the ship. Uh, you know they've got inventory under control. He's done a decent job at uh, you know holding gross margins steady. But no, absolutely not. JCPenney's not out of the woods here. Their balance sheet's still a mess. They have five billion dollars in debt. Um, they only have six hundred million dollars in cash. They burned almost two billion dollars, I think, of cash last year. They're going to be lucky to be cash uh, break even this year. So. No, I don't think they're out of the woods. They they are not having an easy time paying their bills. They need to continue to perform pretty well uh, to be able to buy themselves the time to pull out of this. And time is not necessarily the friend of of this business or businesses like this. I mean, there are a lot of headwinds here, uh, and we'll talk about it. I'm sure with the problems with wet seal, but you know, mall traffic is down. Um, Clothing or apparel, I'd say, sort of without soul, uh, is uh, far less popular uh, than it used to be. And there's a ton of competition. So uh, there, there are a lot of headwinds, and they are not on firm financial footing. So I don't think they're out of the woods at all. Are they at least out of the coffin? Uh, they at least have one foot out of the coffin. Okay. Well, you know, let's, let's put it this way they turned in a positive comp um, quarter. Of three percent, three point seven percent, I think, and it's up eighteen percent on that. So, the company is priced. The stock of the company is priced uh, with very little expectation in there. Yeah. Uh, the, in fact, this and this that, met the high end of the range provided by management. So, management's guidance was not given very much credence, and they've now delivered uh, and delivered at the high end of what they guided to. So, there's some reason to believe. Oh. They've they've got better visibility of what's going on in their company than they had a year ago. This, the stock is still basically priced for bad things, 
so if they can pull off, you know, average, moderate, Less mediocre, things, yeah. mediocre things, then then you know you'll you'll do okay. And it's it's important to circle back and say, okay, what do we know and what do we not know? This the the positive same store sales number tells us that people were out spending money, but what we don't know is there's no gross margin attached to this. So we don't know if those sales were the result of massive, massive discounting, which is very common in these businesses around the holidays. And they'll report their quarterly earnings next month. So I would say in five or six weeks, we'll we'll get some insight into that. Uh, probably also worth mentioning that even with today's move up 16 17 18%, even with today's move, the stock is still Trailing the market about ten percent over the last twelve months. So, uh, Brian, you mentioned Wet Seal. Uh, for those unfamiliar, this is a teen retailer, and I like to think that longtime listeners um, probably shudder just a tiny bit when they hear the phrase "teen retailer." I know I do. Um, but shares of Wet Seal up more than sixty percent today, not because of great news, but because they announced that they are closing two thirds of their stores. Is this, I mean, is this, this seems like they've got both feet in the coffin and they're just waiting for the final nail. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about this stock being up 60%, and that's, that's old news. It's now up 120%. <laughs> oh, wow. But that was from six cents a share to 12 cents a share. So it's a double. So if you can actually sell your shares for 12 cents right now, do it. Uh, <laughs> there's an argument there. Total market cap of the company at this is still less than ten million dollars. So I mean, it was priced as a this is going into bankruptcy kind of thing. All right, you know what? It's there's more indication today than ever that it's going into bankruptcy uh, because of this announcement. Um, if you think that you can, you know, trade your, your way in and out on the pennies of this one to. Make any money? Good luck to you. Let me read this statement from Ed Thomas, who um, Brian, you mentioned uh, Mike Ullman, who was CEO at J.C. Penney, left and then came back after the debacle. Uh, same with Ed Thomas; he had been CEO of Wet Seal for about four years. Left uh, in 2011, came back. Here's the statement he put out today: This was a very difficult decision to make. But after reviewing many other options since I returned to the company in September, our financial condition leaves us no other alternative than to close these stores. I don't know why, but I'm just fixating on the phrase, after reviewing many other options. What, what, what Hail Mary pass can this company throw to... to I mean, because certainly you go back a couple of years, there were plenty of people who were thinking, gosh, JCPenney is, is going to be dead in six months at the at, at the most, and per our discussion, it's still alive. It's not in the greatest of health, but it's still alive. A year from now, is Wet Seal? Are we are we talking about Wet Seal as a as a viable, albeit smaller company, or is this is this company just on their way out the door? There are there, is this a dead man walking? Well, anecdotally, I I was in the mall with my daughters uh, right before Christmas and went into a Wet Seal because it had a Seventy percent off everything in the store sign on it. I'd never been in a wet seal. Which mall was this? Uh, Tyson's. Okay. So, one of the great malls of America, <laughs> as as we in the area know. Anyway, uh, I didn't know you know what to expect. It it just really wasn't very appealing uh, 
material in there, uh, merchandise in there to either of my daughters. I think they're a little younger than the demographic for the, for the company, but uh, you know that that was their hail mary. Seventy percent off everything before you know even the last seven days of Christmas shopping. So they've tried that. That didn't work. Now we're seeing the, the fallout of what must have been a pretty dismal. Uh, holiday season for them. Is this around in a year? I don't know. I look at what sort of brand value is there for this this company. When Jim Gillies was here a few weeks ago, we talked about, uh, and he and Jason Moser uh, and I were uh, doing the podcast, and uh, they mentioned Justice. Are you familiar with Justice? Yes. Okay. So I, I was unfamiliar with this store, and I actually had to make a trip to the Tyson's Mall before Christmas just to uh, pick some stuff up. And I, for the first time in my life, I saw a justice, and I immediately understood the horror of the <laughs> consumer experience. If particularly if you're a dad, because it's just the it's it's like someone just vomited neon all over the inside of the store, and the, there's loud music and all this sort of thing. Is wet seal that sort of thing as well? Is it just like it, it, beyond? No, no it's like the young clo- young women, okay. not not girls. Okay. So justice is is much younger, uh, from what I understand. I mean, wet wet seals. I don't know. Delia is declared for bankruptcy. Um, you know, it's a tough industry. Things that are working for some period of time don't work forever, and um, I, I think justice is on much firmer footing, from what I can tell. Yeah, I think it's a it's a much more competitive part of the market. Uh, you're dealing with companies like Rue Twenty One. I think all of the other, you know, teen retailers fit into that space. So Aeropostal, Abercrombie and Fitch, American Eagle. I mean, I think my 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 impression of Wet Seal is that it's a little more uh, clubby. <laughs> uh, so you know, it's a little dressier rather than jeans and, and t-shirts. Um, but there's no reason for this company to exist. I don't think. Final question: In the broad spectrum of retail. Is there a worse subsection than teen apparel? If I said to you, you have to invest some portion of money in all of these different subsets of retail, but you can exempt, you can opt out of one. Is this the one you're opting out of? Because it's the one I'm opting out of. Well, I've got no insight into getting any like teen retailing rights, so I would love to opt out of it. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going uh, consumer electronics. Um, I think that products are easier to compare. There and so it becomes purely a uh, a price competitive market. At least with teen retail, uh, you got to go try stuff on. Uh, there's some value to uh, maybe being having a having a store, a staff that is helpful in putting together outfits. Uh, I think you can manage your inventory probably a little better, but. Uh, it's a pretty bad one, but you know what's going on with the wet seal today is indicating, in part, something that that J.C. Penney uh, has going for it, being uh, at a at a positive comp story store uh, number right now. The the new management that coming in may say we we want to shut down certain places. Um, that's a little harder to do given the the size of J.C. Penney than than some of the retailers, but to have the ability to do the right sizing of your company at your own pace, rather than as we see with Wet Seal today, having just no choices at all. When you're shutting two thirds of your stores down, you're you're saying this 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 is desperate times, and we have to do this. At least J.C. Penney is going to be able to pick more of a, a path that it sets for itself. 
and it may be getting smaller. I don't know that it is, but if it, it chooses to do that, and if that makes sense, it can do so at a more measured pace. I think the reason Brian picked a different subset is that you and I have teenage daughters, and so we, we, we see firsthand, we have that firsthand experience to just the fickleness of apparel whims and desires. Uh, yeah, well, and our total incompetence to, <laughs> right, to there's that. navigate where right. those desires are It's the one-two punch. We see yeah. the fickleness, <laughs> and then I, I walk in and I see a justice, and I'm completely overwhelmed, and, and just, you know, I, I just want to run away. <laughs> Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.